everybody. Welcome to another episode of This is My Bourbon Podcast. I am the host of that show, this show, Perry. And with me is the co-host of this show, that show, Swan. Hello. Welcome to This, That Studio for This, That Show on This, That Episode. I feel like I just break in once a week and you just entertain me for an hour and you a half. Do, I, you, you kind of have reached like Kramer level of entry. No, like you don't knock. And I told you a long time ago, you don't have to knock. But, no, don't freak out uh, the animals, man. No. <laughs> They're going to anyway. But just they, try they not are, to. They are. They are. But it's an added level of stress that I don't need to, you know, ring the doorbell or have somebody knock. If I could eliminate the the doorbell ringing mm-hmm. in our house, um, that would be like ideal. Because I know. That we are gonna and we we need it for like security purposes. We got the ring thing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like once the baby comes, if that doorbell rings and Marie starts barking, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be pissed. See, you got to do what we did. We just put blackout shades on all of our front facing windows so mm. that the cats aren't just like constantly. I have one cat that chirps at things. <laughs> like it gets up to the window and chirps at squirrels. I think Bruce and, and Berlioz might be related. Yeah. They, they are very similar cats. Very likely. <laughs> but, I mean, he just, like, chirps at stuff. And we'll be sitting there on the couch thinking, what is going on right now? <laughs> like, I don't know. And there's just a big, fat squirrel outside. Ah, fair enough. We, it's, it's always birds with him. Ah. It's gotcha. always birds. He does like cardinals. He loves those little... It ah, doesn't matter. <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing? We're supposed cats to be talking about bourbon. Cats are pretty awesome. I like our cats quite a bit. Hey, you know what else I like? Bourbon. Yeah, dude, yes. And we're we're drinking some of it here for Flying Blind, which is how we start out every single episode. Ooh. Smells like bourbon. It does smell like... It smells <laughs> like good bourbon. Mm-hmm. Indeedy. What on earth is that distillery? It's kind of giving me like a turkey thing where it's like honey-ish, yes. but it's not as heavy. Like I always get like a viscous honey feel from turkey. But it still has, there is a, a very specific higher proof Heaven Hill note on there too. Yes. I did get to try a William Heaven Hill last year and it's uh-huh. it's kind of in that ballpark. Yeah. You talking about the one that Chad and Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. 12 year, yeah. I think. Yep. Yeah really freaking great bourbon that i wish i had had i feel like i had it too late in the day or too late in the game to actually like consider it mm-hmm. that that being said i mean you know a lot of times i've had things that towards the end of the year wind up being contenders but that is a freaking amazing bottle of bourbon though speaking of freaking amazing this what it's the hell good. did you put in here this is the Barrel Bourbon Batch 24. Oh, man. You never... I, I don't know how you would have guessed that. It's, you know, they source. It's yeah. not really a distillery, but 113.9 proof. Oh, that is so good. It's weird. I've not had one like this in a while where I genuinely enjoy not necessarily the finish so much, but like that weird like tingle it leaves on my tongue. Uh-huh. Like the flavors... It's out of here, you know? But that, like, tongue tingle thing going on, good. it's still hanging out. Yeah. That, that is... Hmm. 
I, I talk about it a little bit more, not a little bit more, a lot bit more on the rest of this episode. I, I recorded an interview with Trip, who is the master distiller at mm-hmm. uh, Barrel. And we tasted through this and three of their other products, which you and I are going to be, we're going to be kind of drinking on them behind the scenes. I don't want to talk too much about them prior to the the interview mm-hmm. uh, because we do spend a good amount of time sipping them together and talking about what the, the flavors are like. And um, I, I don't want to take too much away from that. Uh, but I also wanted you to experience them. Absolutely. I'm all uh, for this. So you guys are going to get to hear that interview uh, here in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, th- this is really good. Really. And, and I think, I know that 21 was delicious. Batch mm-hmm. 21 was so good. Everybody raved about it. It won the double gold, best in show, all that, this and the other at San Francisco. But I, I, I kind of like this a little bit more. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think I think they understand, too. It's fine that you're of, wrong, but... No. <laughs> I didn't get to try the 21, so I have nothing to... I don't have... Did a, you not? No. But, I mean, they put out so many releases. You get to find one that caters to you. It makes sense why you didn't get to try it because it was during uh, during the height of lockdown that I got sent that. Yeah. So, but you have had uh, the dovetail and the rye, which are both amazing. Yeah, the uh, rye is special. The, the yes, this is rye batch three, mm-hmm. uh, and we actually tried that on the last call for last week's episode, the very first last call ever. Which you can find on Patreon, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast. The last thing I remember right there. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah, the uh, the last call chats are there's something. Oh, they're special. They're they are no holds barred, I would say. It's a good way of uh, good way of looking at it. Yeah. Especially. Uncut and unfiltered. <laughs> Yet again. All right, well, uh, Swan, I guess I need to ask you as well, like I, I typically do at this point in the show every week, what have you, Swan, the guy who's sitting across from me, been drinking recently? Me. Okay, uh, 1792. Interesting. I did a 1792 flight the other day. Ooh. Yeah, I did the 225th, the high rye, the bottle to bond, and um, the last little bit of the... Uh, what is it? Not barrel proof. Full proof that I had. Mm-hmm. Had all of them. I like the high rye, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. I just, it's so good. It's hard to compete. And honestly, the 225th is really not that great. I know there's a lot of people that probably want that to complete their their collection. But, it, I mean, it is just so crisp apple. Uh, I will say it's a summer bourbon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is crisp and refreshing. Um, I don't know. It's It's good. The whole thing's great. I need to delve into it more. If you want to see a Perry who's about, uh, what, like 70 pounds, 80 pounds lighter <laughs> than he is right now, I uh, review that on an uncorking with Chad and Sarah. Uh, very first uncorking I ever did with them. Uh, I'll put the, the link in the in the description. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's fun. I got a picture of Perry... <laughs> handing the bottle to chad with a giant arrow that says chad on it or something like that (laughs) (laughs) i was like one of the first bottles i I helped find yeah you that's way back 
I mean, that, that was months before I ever started the podcast, but, um, I mean, I was kind of dipping my toes into figuring out how to taste and, you know, experiencing to some degree. And, uh, it was fun. I still like the 225th. I know it's not the most amazing thing in the world, but I do like going back to it mm-hmm. every now and then. I just mix two things. Magical. Ooh, okay. That's good. Interesting. I'll have to try that here in a second. Yeah, hand me that hand me that one. Should we review we'll we'll reveal what it is. We'll see why not. Oh yeah. So we got what is it? Uh, well it was the last of the um the barrel batch twenty four. Barrel batch twenty four. Was well, just a splash. Don't do like even. Okay. Ah, that was probably a little too much. That's okay. It's all good. But the other the other half was um the Bell Mead Madeira bourbon. Yes. I'm excited. I wanna I wanna find out what this is. So you did a seventeen ninety two. Did a seventeen ninety two flight, had a little rare breed. It was a good week. Yeah. Oh, that smells fantastic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like a like a freshly baked apple pie. <coughs> Ooh, but the alcohol got right up in my nose. It did, it'll do that. <laughs> well, I what have I been drinking? Oh, this this past week on the live stream, I did a bunch of Elijah Craig picks. Uh, as I was saying, I found I realized I had more than I thought I did when I moved the studio. What a great problem to have, by the way. It was well <clears throat> worth the, the surprise. I was very very pleasantly pleased. Pleasantly pleased. That's good. I have I have good words. Um. <laughs> good grammar. Do good. Jeez. Oh, Anyway, I was I was very surprised and, and well pleased with how uh, how many I had and, and how those picks turned out. There was really only like one or two that I wasn't crazy about. Um, but then I've also, and you've got to take it with you. I can't be responsible for it anymore. It's a good Knob Creek pick, man. It's so good. He left the the one we tried on the on last week's episode over here, and I I've been trying to drink it sparingly. <laughs> But um, it's just so good. <laughs> so Swan's taking that with him when he goes home yeah. today. Because that doesn't need to be in my possession any longer. Isn't it funny how you find one that you're just like, ah, oh, that is good. And you've got this entire collection and you're like, I'm going to go grab the same thing again. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you just, it's gone. It's see, there until it's gone. See, that's the, the big problem I have with, special bottles Mm -hmm. not just like wanting to drink them on my own because i i do that every now and then but and i've i think i've talked about this on the show before when i get something special that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to try my immediate instinct is to share it with other people Mm -hmm. so that happened with uh with the first bottle of william larue weller that i ever got i was like well, I'm going to let everybody try this. And it got to the bottom fairly quickly. I held on to it for a good long while. Yeah. But, you know, like that first bottle of Lot B that I had, that's no longer in existence. No. <laughs> it's been gone for a for a long time. But I, I've done my best to train. And, you know, I haven't really had a big special bottle in a while. But yeah. you know, I've I've tried to transition my brain set from mindset, brain set, 
been a day. Um, my mindset from this has to be what everybody tries to, you know, well, what are some good available things that people can try to? I'm not trying to hoard the special stuff for myself either, but, no. you know, if if you're only bringing out big, big spender bottles, it's the, you set, you set a standard that you can't get away from. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea of finding picks that are special. Yes. And then just obliterating through those. Cause if I go through a Russell's pick, it's not detrimental for me to one, find it and no. two go grab another one. Like, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, just, it's nice. Especially if you find it at the beginning of its lifespan. Yes. Like if it's the first couple of days that it's actually been out mm-hmm. and then, you know, you, you drink it and you're like, I need, I need more of this. Then you go back for it. And there's still, you know, maybe about half of what was there originally. But yeah, I, I, I have definitely transitioned more towards either some daily drinkers or, you know, what I would, what, what are good picks. You grab that, uh, that Jim Beam single barrel though. Yeah, I need to get some more of this, man. It's really good. I had one bottle and I just went, I just tore through it. We... Should take the time to drink that and compare it to Antique 107. We should, yeah. They're kind of they're real close in proof. But the the thing is, this replaced Antique 107 in that category. I feel like because it's the basically the same price at about twenty five, twenty six dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, again, a, like almost the same proof. Yeah, it's not a weeded bourbon. But still, it's. I, I think that in terms of value, it's really taking the place of, of Antique 107, especially since it's jumped up to 50 bucks a bottle. Yeah. That's if you can find it at retail, too. Also, very true. Also, very true. I still haven't actually tried this little blend that you threw oh, at me. Dig in there, man. Kind of smells like an oatmeal raisin cookie now. Oh, that's good. It is, that is good. That's, that's good. <laughs> At some point, too, we're going to finish off this. Uh, maybe for the last call, we're going to finish off this uh, is barrel. That the one I gave that's you the one you gave me. Forever ago? Yeah, I, I, I think this is as much as you gave me. I'm excited because I didn't like that at all. That's why I gave it to you. And I tried one the other day and I was like, what was I thinking? Was that was that a bad barrel pick or something? This is the same thing that happened to you with the Elijah Craig barrel proof. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited because that the Elijah Craig barrel proof's long gone. That one's still in existence. Yeah, well, I know how to hold on to things a little bit better than I did back then. Yeah, and I also know where one of these is sitting on a uh, pennies over cost shelf. This pick? No, a different oh. one. But oh, okay. it's also a barrel bourbon pick. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get into that at some point. I'm not sure. When before we do that though, we have some news for the week to talk about. Uh, there's some really exciting things that happened this week. Nothing really earth-shattering or groundbreaking or anything, but one of the coolest things I think in in recent memory and recent news was this: uh, Covington, Kentucky, is going to see a new vintage tasting room opening up. All right, uh, it's going to be called Revival. Uh, and I, I kind of likened it in our, our Google Doc to, like, a Justin's style, <laughs> like, like place of business where, yeah. you know, it's basically geared towards, geared towards, rather, uh, vintage 
products. Um, and it's going to be the first location in Northern Kentucky where, I, as a citybeat.com says, I don't know really where CityBeat is from. Northern Kentucky, I guess. Uh, anyway, they say this is where other dusty collectors can legally buy and sell their rare bo- uh, bourbons or get a professional valuation of their bottles. So it, it's, uh, it looks like something that's really cool. I'd love to get the folk, folks from Revival on the show sometime, talk about this. Uh, they're good friends with Mary Ann Eves. So oh, nice. We've got a good point of Dude, the world is so point small. of contact. It really is. It's fantastic. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about this, and you know, hopefully, I I of course don't know what the prices are going to look like when the when the time comes, but I you know, for people who don't really have the opportunity to go and taste vintage stuff, I, I think this is a really cool opportunity, especially you know as we're expanding places where things like this are available and and. And these opportunities for folks as well. I mean, p- the more people get into bourbon, the more they're going to be like, well, I want to try the stuff that, you know, I, I didn't think was that good back in the day or, you know, older stuff that my grandfather drank or I mean, this whatever. moment I just had with a bottle I got rid of that's still here. And yeah. I get to try it again when I feel like I'm a bit more of a mature drinker. Yeah. You get to have that experience not over the span of a year and a half, two years, but like <laughs> 20 if you yeah. want it. Yeah, Which yeah. is just wild. Or, I mean, it looks like some of these products could even be, you know, towards Prohibition era. That's nuts. 50s, 60s. So, I mean, there, there's totally the, the the opportunity for people to just go crazy and, and try stuff they never could have dreamed of. If you're going to go to a bar and spend a significant amount of money on a pour, you might as well get something you'll never see again. I mean, you can go to... Agreed somewhere and get like a pour of something you won't be able to most likely find but you might see in like a auction or something soon these things you may never see again there's just a lot of cool things coming from this and i i'm i'm excited to get up there and check them out and see what they've got in stock swan we talked about this one a while ago we talked about it when it actually hit the the ttb for approval but it's it's official It's here. Heaven Hill is releasing an Elijah Craig Toasted Barrel bourbon. I'm excited about everything other than the price point and the limited availability. I agree. (laughs) We'll get to it, but uh, let's talk about the the stats behind this first. Um, It is, of course, aged originally in in a basic white oak barrel, Mm -hmm. like it would be. Uh, Then it is transferred to, uh, at, at Barrel Proof, by the way. Uh, to a toasted barrel uh, for uh, it doesn't say how long but it, the the staves themselves are 18 months uh, air dried so it's still going to be 94 proof like the rye and the bourbon before it um, I can't I can't wait to try this I, I got word from Heaven Hill that we're going to be getting a sample uh, of it here soon going to be really excited to try this it's going to launch nationally in september but like we were saying it's going to be more expensive it's going to be 50 dollars. yeah so it's going to be more allocated mm-hmm. i understand that I it's it's a, it's a more in-depth process than just you know aging a bourbon and then putting it on the market after you 
improve it to well, taste. Well, and so Heaven Hill has done this for a while too. Like they they send out press samples to people that put out content in effort to kind of show that their product is worth it. Yeah. I know, I know being a Heaven Hill fanboy that I'm going to get a small sample of this in. I'm going to try it and I'm going to go from it's limited availability, it's $50, maybe it's not available in your state to just I'm going to go door to door and tell everyone how amazing this bourbon is the second I get it. <laughs> I the the marginal complaint at the beginning is nothing compared to what the whiskey is, I'm sure. So I'm excited yeah. for it. What's really cool, too, I mean, this is the second product in a year under the Elijah Craig line mm-hmm. that has, has been introduced. I mean, if if it is allocated, I, I don't... Oh, sorry. I just read this bit. I GoBourbon.com, uh, our friends over at Bourbon Review, said that a representative for the brand tells us that this is a permanent addition to the Elijah Craig family. See, I'm all right with that. So that Speaking mean, my language that, now. That means that it could, you know, yeah, if you if you don't grab it the first time around next year, you might be able to. So it, it is cool to see, though, that they are expanding Elijah Craig products. Um, I, I will ask you, though, I'm curious about what you think about this. Does it need to be Elijah Craig? Could it be in just a, a different brand from Heaven Hill? That they could put this under? See, I think they're smart doing it under Elijah Craig. I don't think they need to, and I think they know that. But the the nice thing with them putting it under Elijah Craig is it's so established. Yeah. If you're willing to put Elijah that Craig and then anything after it, I mean, you're, you're basically establishing that product from the get-go. I mean, there's not many people that are upset about it. So anyway, I mean, we'll, we'll get to actually try this next week and review it for you guys and you know this is super in advance i mean what this is maybe the earliest we've ever gotten a a sample for review so two weeks yeah or excuse me two weeks two months before the product even comes out we'll be able to taste it and check on it and everything and i'm i'm extremely excited i am too i think it would be uh worth even maybe seeing if we can find something that's toasted that's on the market regularly and put it up against it. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're they're kind of new to this game. I don't think Heaven Hill's done anything toasted prior I don't think to so this. either. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I mean, the only thing they might have put out that's been toasted was probably one of the Parker's Heritage releases. Even then, I'm not sure that they actually did. Yeah. Could have no maybe idea. been a, a William Heaven Hill or just a, you know... But a nothing that's Heaven accessible. Hill. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that it, it could just be like a Heaven Hill private stock release at some point that... We don't know about, but we will have to look into that for sure. There are some releases for the week. Uh, the first one being the new old Overholt. Two new old Overholts, uh, actually, that we had brought up on the show before, uh, thanks to the the TTB filings. First one is a four-year-old, 114-proof uh, Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey at 104 proof? Or is that 114? 114. 114. Yeah, sorry. Math. Uh, 30 bucks a bottle, September 2020. Only going to be available in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Road trip. I'm, heck yeah. Uh, I might send you on the on your way to do that, though, because I don't, you know, at that point, I'm like, I'm like locked into, you know, oh, that's Lexington. All good. <laughs> yeah. But there's also an 11-year-old, old Overholt Rye, at 90... 
2.6 proof for $75. Also only going to be available in Ohio and Pennsylvania. It's in, it's like, it's remarkably similar to the old Grand 114 bottle. I think it's the same one. I mean, it's the same bottle for sure, but like, even, they've even got the wax, the fake wax stamp on the center uh-huh. of it. And the labels, I don't know. That's just funny to me. But I think that old Overhold's actually produced and bottled by Jim Beam, though. Oh, okay. Well, then that would make sense. I think. Just send some of those bottles this way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I could be off, but we'll, we'll have, to, have to look into that. Either way, I don't, there's not been a lot of rye whiskeys that are that old that I've had. No, um, I. it should be interesting. I will say down here at the bottom, the need-to-know section that they've posted here, uh, likely the oldest old Overholtz released, certainly the oldest in living memory. This 11-year-old comes from just 50 barrels and thus is extremely limited. So, I mean, It's also is, only available in two states. Yeah, so this is going to be pretty pretty rough to find, I have a feeling. I Yeah, I don't doubt that it's going to be sought after but at the same time i'm looking forward to at least the chase there is a new bourbon coming out of texas as well uh still austin straight bourbon two years old 49.2 percent uh 98.4 there we go uh 45 bucks august 2020 uh only going to be available in texas with expansion planned at the moment Okay. I have actually heard that the master distiller at Still Austin is does really good things. Really, I believe her name's like Nancy. It's probably on here somewhere. Nancy Fraley. Huh. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little more excited about this. Oh, one. look at that. She has very very like descriptive ingredients listed here. So instead of just corn, rye, and malted barley, it's actually white corn, Elbon rye, and wildfire extra roasted malted barley. That's wild. So uh, I'm I'm a little excited about it. I will say it's a little strange, you know, kind of looks like a beer bottle a little bit. It does. Uh, but I'm I'm excited about this one. I know that the guys at the Whiskey Vault really enjoy a lot of the stuff that they've they've put out. Nice. Um, so I, it might be interesting uh, if everybody makes a trip down there for the Whiskey Vault stuff. Maybe grab a bottle. Sure. Yeah. And then we'll send you money. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> And this last one is the Mammoth Distilling Nine-Year-Old Northern Rye coming out of uh, of Michigan. Yeah, uh, nine years old, and that is 99 proof, 50 bucks a bottle, for sale in Michigan and Illinois with expansion planned. And it's supposed to be available this month. So, Can I give another shout-out to Hotel Tango? I'd be happy for it's you. the same bottle. Yeah, it looks just like it, doesn't it? It's the it? same bottle. And yeah. They did the... <laughs> The graphic design on the Hotel Tango one still just... Oh, it's much better. Blows it out of the water. Yeah, but still a good-looking yeah. still a good looking bottle. They did say this is for sale in Michigan and Illinois with expansion planned, so I'm excited for that. Maybe it might actually make its way to Kentucky. Well, we got uh, just a couple of TTB releases that... Uh, or TTB labels that we need to talk about. The first one really intrigues me. This is from uh, KO Distilling. In Manassas, Virginia. It is a bottled and bond straight bourbon, of course, under the name George Thorpe. Uh, the description says In 1620, Virginia, George Thorpe became the father of American whiskey. Uh, that's on the front label. Uh, it's also going to be, of course, 100 proof. I almost, 
almost was like, I wonder what the proof's going to be on this one. That's bottled and bond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back label says, in 1620, on the banks of the James River, George Thorpe handcrafted the first American whiskey using an English still in local maize. Thorpe's contribution to American distilling established Virginia as the birthplace of American spirits. K.O. Distilling honors his legacy with this George Thorpe bottled and bond bourbon. This is the very first time I've ever heard this man's name. Yeah, I never heard it before. Um, I I had no idea that there was, you know, like an actual father figure, I guess, for bourbon aside from Elijah Craig. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely different. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm here to hear whatever claims they have. I mean, maybe I can learn something from it. Maybe there's something for me to actually pick up from this. That'd be an interesting episode to do, like a deep dive into... Like the unknowns of uh, <laughs> of the bourbon world. And then last but not least, and this is a perfect segue into the interview portion of the show that you guys are about to hear. Barrel Craft Spirits is putting out a cast strength bourbon at 15 years old. It looks like it's going to be 104.9 proof. Uh, so, yeah, distilled in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. I like what Barrel does. I mean, <laughs> that's about all I got to say. I'm excited to see what this product looks like. Can't be mad. Nope. I'll take it. Especially at cast strength in 15 years. I think that's going to be really interesting. Okay, uh, that does it for the news of the week. We're going to go ahead and transition over to the interview that I got to do with Trip, the master distiller at Barrel Spirits. It is, uh, it's a really fun conversation that we got to have. Uh, I, I talked about kind of his origins as a distiller, getting to find out where his palate lies, his work uh, that he does alongside Joe Beatrice, who is the other guy that uh, that works there. Well, he was the other, he was the founder. Excuse me. I don't want to downplay what Joe does. It's very important to <laughs> to Barrelcraft Spirits. It basically wouldn't exist without him. Goodness gracious. Anyway, uh, I I really enjoyed getting to chat with with Trip. Uh, I also want to say thank you to Aaron Brost, uh, who is their their media guy, setting up this interview, sending the samples my way as well. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this interview, and we will be back on the tail end of that to wrap up the show. Incredibly excited to finally welcome to the show uh, somebody who we, we've kind of been circling around getting, getting this guest on before. You all know him. Uh, as the master distiller at the Barrel Craft Spirits. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to This Is My Bourbon Podcast, Trip. Hey, Trip, how are you, man? Hey, Perry, what's up, man? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm glad we Absolutely. finally got together. Yeah, me too, man. It's been a while, and, you know, being in the middle of preparation for, for becoming a dad and, you know, moving stuff from one place to another and boxing it all up and putting it down and picking it back up has just kind of gotten my brain all all discombobulated. So it's nice to sit down finally and, and talk to you, not just about barrel, uh, but about your experience as a master distiller. Uh, and uh, congratulations on uh, becoming oh, a dad. You, That's man. fantastic. Yeah. I heard, you, I heard about that. That's great. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. She's uh, got just a, a little under uh, three months to go about two and a half months. Oh my so goodness. And it's, it's the middle of summer. And it's the middle of summer, is exactly, yeah. So the best is yet to come. Yes, sir. Uh, at this point. <laughs> so, Trip, talk a little bit about your experience with with Barrel. How did you kind of come to be a part of this organization, and what has your relationship with uh, uh, with Joe been like as well? Okay, well, a little bit about my background. Uh, I've been I've been in the business. 
little over 16 years now. Uh, my background's in biochemistry and molecular biology. So I, I like to focus on the, the science of why things happen the way they do. Uh, I spent nine years with Brown Foreman as a research and development scientist. Uh, I left there when uh, I, I saw this sort of the, the, the craft side of things really starting to pick up and, and people wanting to uh, get into the business and not um, not entirely sure how to do it, what to do, steps to take, things of that nature. So I thought it was an opportunity to uh, share uh, share some of my talents with uh, with people and help them see the realistic view of what they're really getting into when you when you start a distillery when you get into this business. So I started that. It's been about six. Well, I guess I've owned it now for six or seven years. I don't do much on the consulting side anymore, <laughs> but orig originally um, would help clients, uh, like I said, sort of lay out the the map, the realistic map of you know what it's going to cost, what the the effort it takes to run a distillery, you know the the physical nature of the work that they're going to be doing, and um, honestly, really talked myself out of a lot more business than I talked myself into just because. I wanted people to really understand what this really looks like and not the sugar-coated version of, you know, I have this distillery and I have a, if I have a distillery, people are going to come and drink my stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that. And after my spiel to, to a customer of, are you sure you really want to do this with all the specifics? Uh, if, if they wanted to move forward, then, then that's what we did. And I've, I've put, distilleries together and, and showed people how to run equipment all over this country. And, uh, it, it's been a ton of fun and, uh, been a, been a blessing to be able to make a living doing something that I enjoy doing. And in all of this, I was putting together a distillery here in Kentucky that also did some contract bottling as a, as another revenue stream. And through that met Joe Beatrice. And this would have been in 2000, 14, I think it was, it was toward the end of 2014 and Joe was on his second batch of bourbon and needed some, uh, somebody to bottle it for him. So we met, we talked and, uh, talked a little bit about the company and his background and while we're, we're bottling batch two, and then we moved into batch three and did, uh, did some whiskeys and other things. And, and through this process really got to know each other. And I noticed that Joe had a very similar view of how the industry works and that you know, he wanted to build a distillery for uh, about 10 minutes and then realized that's probably not the best way to go from a financial standpoint. <laughs> and it was impressive that he figured that out and did all of his research and was already there when we first met. So I, I was intrigued by that. Because uh, so many people are, are still under under the idea at this point that it's like, well, I'm just going to build a distillery and, and the rest of it's going to work itself out. And the fact that Joe had already come to that conclusion that maybe he should focus more on the brand and less on the the production side, uh, it makes a lot of sense because uh, so much of the value is in the brand itself. So over time, we continue to work together and, and, and work on some uh, some blends and product ideas. And we were very aligned in our in our idea about how to uh, 
to grow a brand and how to innovate, which is something we like to do. And uh, so I came on full time in 2000, January of 2017, I came mm-hmm. on full time. And uh, at, at that point, you know, we, we had this we had this idea that, you know, we're putting these blends together, we're creating all these great flavors. And, you know, the next step in, in that process would be to build a distillery once the brand gets to a point where it can support the investment of a distillery. Sure. As well as utilize the the products that that distillery is creating. So, so we went down that path and that was the original plan. And it's, while it's something we still talk about and we kick around maybe doing something at some point, we don't do a ton of distilling right now. Uh, we're having so much fun blending and coming up with all these cool different ways to use different products and have those different products work together to create these unique flavors yeah. that it, it's not, uh, it's not leaving a whole lot of time to focus on a distillery build out and production and all those other things. Um, but I think at some point that would be something fun to do because there's a whole nother aspect of creating flavors when you start from uh, a raw material, a, a grain raw material and yeast versus taking what's already in barrels and, and using those as components. So there, there's, a, there's a whole gamut of things that, that we've talked about right. doing. And um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, and it, it seems like regardless of, uh, you know, how much fun you might be having with it, success at the end of the day is kind of what, of course, pays the bills. And that's what keeps you interested in, in pursuing this full time. And, and you guys have definitely had plenty of success, especially in the past year, uh, and namely, of course, San Francisco World Spirits Competition, uh, Batch 21 Bourbon taking home uh, the, the top honor. Uh, 22 also receiving double gold, uh, rye batch three, uh, receiving double gold as well. So you, you guys are clearly doing what I, I feel like is the ideal method behind showing up to the party with your a game and then just hitting the ground running from there. So w- when, when you get to that point, what do you, where does, where does your mind kind of go? Do you think, well, how do we consistently provide this product to our consumers or are you thinking how can we one up ourselves what's the mindset uh for you guys as a as product producers or i guess (laughs) it's it's, um it is a constant challenge for us and this is this is part of where the the fun comes in is that you know we we try to stay ahead of the curve as far as innovation goes. We create uh, top shelf spirits that um, that are that don't go in the bottle until we think they're finished. We're not going to put something substandard in a bottle just because we need to get something out. We need to uh, fill a hole somewhere. You know, everything we release is because we think it's good enough to be in this packaging. Uh, so the constant challenge for us is to continually do, uh, continually produce these high quality products that meet a certain standard, but that are also different and innovative. So it's, it's a, it's a ton of work to, 
to, to do all of those things and still stay ahead of the curve. But it's also fun to do that. You know, when um, and I'll give you an example of kind of what I'm talking about. If we just had one product, if we had a bourbon and it was the same proof and the same grain bill and the same age all the time, we would do one label and we'd never have to do anything else with the TTB. We never have to do any other label designs. You know, and there's not a whole lot of, you know, no more creativity there. Um, we've just got to produce the same thing every single time to put in that bottle. And while that's extremely difficult, starting with raw material and creating the same thing every single time is difficult enough. Try starting from square one every single time you create a product. Sure. So each sure. each time we start with a different idea, different barrels, uh, the the labels are going to be different. So we have to file for colas every time. The proof's going to be different, and all the while we're still holding ourselves to the highest bar of creating a product that fits in this packaging. The and and you know you guys have done not just whiskey products. You've also done uh, rum as well, and and I, I imagine that once the the gates are open and all of the inspiration, all the ideas start flooding in, it, I, I would at the very least, being a very anxious person, get a little bit overwhelmed at times. So how do you kind of balance that that feeling of maybe we should step it back a little bit so that we're not uh, I, challenging our, our, ourselves too much or putting too much on our plates uh, with actually going the extra mile uh, and, and producing something big, the next big thing? Um, it is, we spend a lot of time as, as a, as a team working on these things. Um, so we have a handful of folks who are involved with sort of planning out uh, the direction of the year and some of the products we want to try to do, uh, and, and getting all of these ideas together. And we have what we call blue sky sessions where we just sit around and, throw stuff out there and see what sticks. Uh, so, so it's really a group effort in figuring out sort of the direction we want to go. And then, you know, we are all, uh, you know, we all like to focus on a few different things. So it, it's kind of a give and take. So we kind of keep each other centered on, on the idea. So we don't, we don't get too far off track. We don't really get too overwhelmed with things. Um, uh, you know, if it were if it were one person, if it were just me trying to do everything, yeah, I could definitely see being overwhelmed. But when you've got a good team in place with with the give and take mentality, uh, every, everything seems to work out pretty well for us. It's really it, it is always nice to hear the uh, the the ability to kind of cooperate with each other, working so well. Uh, and and like we were saying before, there, you guys have had multiple successes. I, I, across the board with your products. So I want to go ahead and, and talk about one of the samples that I've got sitting in front of me. This is Barrel Bourbon Batch 24 at 113.9 proof. So this is, of course, three batches down the line uh, past the, the big winner for you guys at San Francisco this past year. Tell me about the, the difference in blending processes between those two batches and, and how kind of for you, you and, and Joe blending is ever changing uh, in, in this game. So it's, you know, J Joe and I have a lot of similarities in the, the flavors that we like, but we're also uh, different and I am hypersensitive to certain things that he's not and vice versa. So it's, it's a good checks and balances system for creating 
uh, a flavor driven product. Uh, so both of us typically like, uh, like a, like a heavy fruit, stone fruit, uh, the typical, uh, vanilla flavors, some of the wood flavors and, and varying concentrations of each of those can dramatically change the way the product fits within the matrix, but it still has a lot of the same components that we like. It just sort of tips the scale one way or the other. So as far as the process goes, we look at what we've done and we know that we want to do something a little bit different. So with all of the, the companies that we work with, we work with some 65 or so uh, bulk companies or companies that produce product. And we, we have a good understanding of what we can expect to get from those different facilities and what the, the different warehouses and the different locations and the different regions of the, the country for bourbon and the world for other things, uh, what we're going to get from those. So with, with that in mind, we can have a conversation and say, okay, this is what we did last time. Let's move this direction. Let's focus more on uh, something that ha is a little heavier on the wood and a little less in the fruit. And we know that we want to go someplace where it might be a little bit warmer, where there was more um, alcohol interaction with a barrel. So, so that's kind of the thought process as we go through this. And then we end up with a base product. So we have whatever our you know, target volume was for a base product. And then it becomes a matter of uh, a back and forth conversation of what's missing and where do we go to get it. So it's a constant tasting conversation. What's missing? Let's add it. Um, if we don't have it, where do we go to get it? Where can we find it? Bring it in, add it. And uh, it, it's that over and over and over until there's that aha moment where it's, man, this is fantastic. Button it up, put it away and on to the next one. And, <laughs> and sometimes that's a, a, a week long process. Sometimes it's a three month process. And there have been occasions where uh, we get to a point where it's like, okay, this, this one's not really doing what we want it to do. We're going to set it aside. We're going to go on to something else and we're going to come back to it. And, and that's happened before too. Um, we just, you know, like um, Will, our national director uh, likes it when I say we let flavor drive the bus. So we don't, we don't force anything. Uh, flavor, the flavor of the product that we're making really is what determines the next steps in our process. That that's an, an incredible way of approaching the, the, the process too, and um, it, the the thought behind. And, and I, I know that there are plenty of people who will look at something and go, either that's as good as that's going to get, or good enough, and then put it out to the market. So the the intricacy, the the time, the the energy put into producing the, the these whiskeys, putting them out to the market. Um, I think it really shows through, especially in this batch 24, this is a, an absolute flavor bomb. I, it's, <laughs> it, it hits you right up front and it doesn't let you, let you forget that you're drinking a, a, a really good bourbon. Yeah. It's, uh, we were, we were proud of this one as well. It's, uh, it's a group of nine, 10, 13, and a few 15 year old barrels that we got. And they're from Tennessee, Kentucky, and I believe Indiana. I think we got them from all three States this go around. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a big, bold, uh, floral, uh, fruity 
type flavor profile. And again, that's you're going to find that in a lot of our products. That's that's something that Joe and I especially like, and so we typically gravitate to that. Um, but you're also going to get some of the the nuances that sort of float around in the background. Like you might get a little bit of pear in there, or maybe um, you know you get a, a touch of leather, maybe, or or e- even some tobacco in there. Uh, so it's it's fun to watch how those underlying flavors sort of interact with that initial uh, that initial flavor that you get from the first sip. Do you have a favorite batch that you all have made? You know, I get asked that a lot. And <laughs> um, my, my typical answer is the next one. Yep. Only, only because, you know, we don't, I don't have time to stop and, and really enjoy what we've just done. It's like, okay, good. That one's done. Off to the next one. And so, so it's, it's, we're constantly moving forward, uh, pushing forward. But I have to say that batch nine was one of my all time favorites. Um, at the time it was the oldest that we had done, which is really interesting because I don't think it, it really drinks like a 13 year old. Um, and then something else interesting about some of the barrels that we used in batch nine, those later became the first release of, well, a portion of those later became the first release of the BCS line that we launched in 2018, mm-hmm. the, the Barrel Craft Spirits line with the black gift box. So right. it was the 13-year, the some year, two years later, it was 15 years old. And we're like, okay, this is just fantastic. It's like We, we got to you know, come up with a way to, <laughs> to offer this. And that's what led to the Barrel Craft Spirits line. So, so uh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> but I've just, I would say batch nine is probably, probably my, one of my favorites, all time favorites, obviously 15 is going to have to fall in there. The 15 year old BCS <laughs> product has to fit in there. Right. And, um, I think it would be foolish not to say, uh, batch 21. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> 21 was really something special, man. I, that, that was you know, it, immediately evident. I think even just before, even before taking the first sip, I mean, it, it just really proved itself through and through uh, in, in that product. I, I want to transition to into talking about uh, these private releases as well. I've got three different ones uh, sitting out in front of me, which actually make up a total of 48 different releases, correct, in the, the, the private release from Barrel? That's correct. And it's actually our second round of 48 releases. Right. Uh, so we've got 96 that are out there now, and I'm currently working on the next round, which is going to be our CH series. (laughs) So it is, you know, when you, when you start touching every single barrel and doing something with every single barrel, it, it gets busy. Um, (laughs) but what, what, I think what you have in front of you, you're going to have a a BH 15, which is our apricot finish. Yes. Uh, the BH 20, which is going to be our pear finish. And a BH25, which is uh, the Tale of Two Islands rum cask finish, which is a really cool story and a real interesting product that we will save for the end. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We start with this BH15, the apricot finish. Uh, each of these private release bar- barrels is made up uh, primarily of 18-year-old Kentucky whiskey. Uh, there oh, are wow. some younger whiskeys in there that we will typically leverage for some flavor component to help balance certain things. Uh, but we, you know, there's, there's, um, 
there's different volumes of each in each of the individual barrels. So the whiskey in each of the individual barrels is unique in it of itself, as well as the finish also being unique. Um, so with this first apricot, this is a, I picked this one for us because I really like the apricot finish. I think it's very pronounced. It uh, the apricot comes through just wonderfully. There's a, there's a tobacco note that I'm really picking up on the, yeah. on the nose and the palate yeah. on this one. But there is no doubt that that's apricot. Mm-hmm. Oh, full-bodied fruity. Yeah. Wow. And, and I and you know people like to joke you don't put fruit in your beer, but I like fruit in my in my bourbon and in my whiskey. <laughs> you know, it's it's <laughs> I think it, it adds it adds great flavor. It adds great mouthfeel. Um, I think they're just wonderful characteristics to put in a whiskey. That that is really oh. unique in and of itself. I mean, I I couldn't tell you another company that's doing an apricot brandy finished whiskey. This is something that I, and and I do this out loud because I'm also trying to process what it is that I'm actually going through in the, in the tasting, uh, tasting experience here. But this is really going to catch people's eye, catch people's palate uh, off guard because it, it is, it's, it's full. It's, Got it. it. Like I was saying, just a lot of fruit to it. Um, of course, that that tobacco note is coming through, but then there's almost a savory note towards the end of the palate as it goes into the finish. Kind mm-hmm. of um, if they if they made caramel brittle. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that okay. would be. I'm, I'm I, with you. I'm with you. What I would ascertain that to to be, but this is a spectacular pour. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's also fun to let them sit. And a lot of times these will actually open up, uh, allow some of the alcohol to come off and it's going to help with some of those flavors to concentrate a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it might be fun once we go through this and you don't have, we don't have to do this on the podcast, but you might go (laughs) back and taste some of these uh, after they've uh, set out for a little bit and been allowed to open up. And and I I think you'll, uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely, and and I needed to to mention as well, the proof is nothing to sniff at either. Uh, this is one hundred and fifteen point six proof, and all of these are at at least one fifteen uh, of these last three products that we have to taste through. Uh, the second one is the pear brandy finish, as you were saying, BH twenty, and it's one hundred and seventeen proof. That's right, and something that. It's one of the more difficult pieces of putting these different finished products together is one, we like cast strength product. Everything we do is cast strength. So, and certain, certain whiskeys are going to be a little bit warmer on the palate than others. So putting the right whiskeys together to help tame some of that heat so that when you're drinking something that's 117 proof, you're like, there's no way this is 117 proof. And so that that's not by accident. That <laughs> takes a ton of work to get to that point. But then once we get to that point, the finish is meant to complement the whiskey. The finish is not meant to be the predominant flavor in that product. I don't want you to taste, you know, this pear or the tail of two islands or anything else for that matter and go, man, this is just all pear. This is just all rum. This is all this, all that's not the goal. 
the, the, the goal of these is to take a finish and have that particular finish complement all of the other flavors that are already in that whiskey. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the, this pear is actually a really good, I love the pear too. I'm partial, um, <laughs> but the, the pear is a really good example of that as well. Wow. That is a viscous tongue coating mouthfeel of a whiskey. Mm, isn't it? Man, oh man. Woo. I feel like I'm breathing a little bit of fire at the end there. It's it, it's got kind of a dry finish to it as well. Yeah. Which honestly starts to remind me of a, of a red wine. And 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 it seems to kind of have a, a uh, kind of a Cabernet overall feel to it, just in terms of the way that the flavors roll over your tongue. But it's it's much lighter uh, in its its presentation. Uh, there there's a a milk chocolate flavor that sits kind of in the middle of my palate that I find to be really yeah really it, nice. And, and I I think it's interesting too, and I'll, I'll say this again. Once we're done here, you should really come back and, and taste all of yeah. these again because it, it really is going to be uh, a different experience all the way around. It's going to be a lot of the same flavors are going to be there, uh, but it, they're going to be in different concentration. And it's uh, it's pretty interesting to, to go back and see that. You don't have to tell me twice to go back and taste this one again <laughs> <laughs> or any of these for that matter. Man. That is just wild. That is so good. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, I'm also sitting here fawning over this while we're trying to <laughs> have a conversation. I'm no, just going, this No is worries, so man. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Absolutely. It's, man. Five, and, o'clock, and it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It is indeed, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to knock it at that point. So I, this is honestly the first experience, before we get on to the, the rum-finished one, uh, this is the first experience I've had with the, the the private release products from Barrel. And I, I don't know if it's that I've never seen them before or I've never just come across them in general, but this is something that I feel like folks, if they know, they know, right? Like yeah. it, it seems like they, they kind of have to be goaded into like, hey, you should probably check this out. And I am... 100% in that camp at this point because the, and and it's correct me if I'm wrong about $100 per bottle that's correct yeah, yeah I think they uh, I think the MSRP is is 109 for the okay. single barrels and private releases and the batches so, are 89 so truly in this in, in, in this current climate in the bourbon market in the whiskey market $110 for an 18-year-old product that has then been finished really is super reasonable. And you, you're not finding anything pretty much uh, out there at that age, at that price. And I, I think that this is kind of, it seems to be going under the radar. Now, you know, after having a conversation about it and some people hearing it, you know, it could who's to say what will happen, but I, in, in any case, uh, I, I am, I, I am very pleased uh, with this. It, it honestly having, uh, you know, experienced the dovetail as well. 
this feels like the big brother of Dovetail. Okay. How how did those two? How did these two products kind of bounce off of each other uh, to to create what the the private release products came to be? Uh, I would you know the Dovetail was. I, I don't know if you you know the whole story behind Dovetail. Dovetail was originally supposed to be our uh, whiskey line batch five. Oh, okay. And it is finished in. Oh my goodness! Originally, this is—it's been a couple of years. Originally, <laughs> it, it was uh, finished in LV port pipes, Jamaican rum casks, um, bourbon casks, I think, and cab barrels. I think that's what—that's what that one was. It was four different finishes, and at the time, I guess the TTB hadn't seen uh, hadn't seen anything like that. So we went. We kept going back and forth. You know, we. We, we weren't sure how to classify it and they came back with something. And so we'd make changes. So we went back and forth. It was almost a year. I think Joe was going back and forth on it. So right. finally we just said, well, what can we call it? And so we had to take it out of a whiskey category and make it a DSS. And hmm. in doing that, you know, it's, it's still all whiskey, but mm-hmm. the, the finish, it didn't really have a category. So we changed it to a DSS, made the labels, put it out there, and it was so well-received, it was incredible. And we ended up doing, I think, four releases originally, and we're on our sixth, currently, release of Dovetail. Okay. And it was it's one of those things where taking all of those different flavors and, again, creating a product where they all interact differently at, at different concentrations – to create this product that is made every time with the same ingredients with varying concentrations of each. Uh, it's, it's, it's really is enjoyable to see how all of that works together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've always found dovetail to be really quite special too. So it's interesting hearing that, you know, you guys were so diligent in, in working with it. So let's move on to the, the barrel whiskey, Tale of Two Islands rum finished at 116.26 proof. You said that there was an interesting story behind this. I'm curious what that was. Yeah, so uh, Joe and I got some uh, some rum. So well, I don't remember what year it was. It was for our for rum batch one, and it was seven year old Barbados rum. And we had we created our batch one. We held some back. So we were thinking, you know, batch one was gone. Let's let's do something with rum. Let's uh, let's come up with a, a cool finish. So we were in the lab one day, and we were we're talking about the most off the wall uh, finishes that we could use with uh, with rum. And I mean, it was just it was stuff that you would think is just disgusting. Like this is not going to work. There's no way this is going to work. <laughs> and we had twenty or twenty five different samples. And the very last one was an Isla Scotch cask. And, you know, we, we weren't originally going to do it. And I said, let's just do it and see, see how it works out. So we taste it and we look at each other. And it's like, there's no way it's this good. It's like, <laughs> this is, there's no way. So we, we let it sit. We came back to it the next day. And a, a, we had a, at the, at the time of the release, was an eight-year-old rum finished in Isla Scotch casks. 
And it just doesn't sound like it works. But when you taste it, again, the interactions of those flavors and how they work together and complement each other was just amazing. So what we have here is whiskey that we then finished in one of the barrels that was used to create the tale of two islands rum. So it's um, you're going to get it is it is rum forward. You're going to you're going to get some rum out of this. Um, but again, the rum flavors that are in here work very well with the flavors that are pre-existing in that sure. blend of whiskeys. It is like cigar tobacco and molasses heavy on the nose. I mean, just right up front there. Yeah. Mm. Coast the tongue so well. Oh my gosh. Hold the presses. That's it. <laughs> Everybody stop. Go home. That's that is absolutely it. Holy moly. Oh my gosh. That's like super adult s'mores. Yeah. With a caramel drizzle. Man, I'm gonna have to get <laughs> and, you're making you're, me and you're also smoke. <laughs> And you're also smoking a cigar at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, man, that is full of flavor. But, and even as different as this particular finish is from the pear and even the apricot, you can right. see sort of the, the common thread between all of them is, again, flavor driving the bus. It, 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 is, it is how all of these flavors work together to create this final product and how one doesn't really overshadow the other. It, it, it's the it's the symphony, if you will, uh, of how it all comes together. Definitely. Yeah, this is going to be definitely one that I come back and revisit here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well. and and the way these these are made available is these are picked similarly to our single barrels, so they they end up typically in in a local market. Uh, if you go to the website, we have all of the barrels listed with all the finishes and all the uh, 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 each of the barrels and the finishes and everything. And then we also have uh, a, a store locator where you can put in your zip code and it, or area code, and it will tell you uh, where to go to uh, where the closest store is to buy our products. Wow! So we we try to make it as easy as we can. Uh, and then you can also uh, get us online. You can do, we've got a buy now button on the website uh, that you can go and, and find these and click buy now and it ships in a day or two right to your house. Wow, that's spectacular. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, being in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means that's going to happen here soon. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, th- this isn't absolutely fantastic lineup of, of whiskeys the the barrel bourbon batch 24 included um trip before we uh before we wrap things up um i, I gotta ask you a question shoot i you're from chattanooga i am born and raised where'd you go to where'd you go to school uh, i went to notre dame high school oh, okay my my dad graduated from baylor okay uh, yeah he, Big he sports was sports rivals yeah, <laughs> he was a he was a Kentucky boy originally, of course, and you know we all still live here. But uh, he went down to Baylor for for high school. So yeah, anyway, it's a great school. Had, it's a great school. Yeah. yeah, I had to I had to had to ask. I was just curious. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm uh, 
Notre Dame fighting Irish. There you go, man. There you go. Well, Trip, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for hanging out with me for a little while, tasting through some of the spirits, uh, letting me know some more about your story. Uh, is there anywhere that people can find you on social media? Um, BarrelBourbon.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Barrel Bourbon. Um, and then, yeah, there you go. All right. That's it. <laughs> I think that's all of them. <laughs> and that's barrel. That's barrel with two R's and two L's. Two R's and two L's. That's right. <laughs> Let's see. We're on. Oh, we're on Twitter too. Twitter. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Barrel Bourbon. Two R's, two L's. Awesome. Trip. We're looking forward to what's coming uh, here soon from Barrel Spirits. Thank you so much again for sitting down with me. I hope to chat with you again soon, man. Yeah, Perry. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Once again, want to say thank you to Aaron and Trip. All the folks over at Barrel Spirits for making this interview happen. Well, we'll we'll have to do something. We'll have to do something more with them in the future. It'd be fun to, you know, get a get an, a little bit of an insight into their their blending process. And I think I'm just gonna splurge more on their picks. I think it's I think it's worth it. Yeah, I think honestly. And and so what I didn't tell you though about these uh these barrel products is that these are all from their private release line. Um, So everything is blended by them uh, and then finished. It's all unique uh, and everything. Um, You can say that again. Snow's the first one. (laughs) But these products are uh, basically only available for purchase through their website. Okay. And I'm kind of reiterating what we were talking about. Uh, tripping myself uh, on the in, in the interview, but I wanted to let you know this as well as we were kind of tasting through them. And like I said, I also don't want us to get too in depth with these because I don't want to. I don't want to double up on tasting notes. <laughs> but I, I do want you to try these uh, as we're kind of going through the rest of the episode and, and wrapping things up. But what do you what do you think about this? That's incredible. And this is, I'm sorry, the apricot brandy finish. That's incredible. Finish. Apricot? I think I might have said apricot during the interview, but I think I'd normally say apricot. I don't know. (laughs) I don't either. Should have just layered both in there. It's really confused people. (laughs) Man, that's good, though. Yeah. No, I've got three more. I got three more to try tonight. I have to imagine they're all phenomenal. That's one of my favorite things I've had in a while. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really that I, I like hearing that. I mean that's cool to hear. As well. Absolutely. We just gonna you wanna blow through the other two real quick too? Just do a hit me, man. Fast uh, fast and loose review. Swans. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean when we used to do this I'd have like a small little bit of each thing and then I would like make sure I was good to drive home and then now it's I gotta ride. So. You gotta ride home, so <laughs> Now, this next one is the pear brandy finish. Now, this one, I, I apologize. The apricot finish was 115.6. This one's 117. You seem like you like the apricot a little bit better. I like the apricot better, yeah. This one, the so the pear is not super apparent on this one. A pear rent. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. I get it. But it's just... I don't know. I like the finish on this one. The finish lingers. It's very heavy. It's very syrupy. Mm-hmm. 
It's more like a like a preserve instead of the yeah. last one that was like a flavoring. That's very true. I'm totally on board with that. Uh, but I'm gonna be honest, man. I like that punch of flavoring. It's it's literally <laughs> like I'm drinking juice. Yeah. At 115. Proof. I see that. That is dangerous. Yeah. That's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not drinking that on the beach. No. Or maybe I am. I would, I honestly. Would. I Actually, would yeah. I still I drink would. bourbon on the beach, though. Listen, it is a huge compliment for me to say that I would drink some barrel-proof bourbon in the middle of the summer. <laughs> if I'm willing to go outside, hot, sweaty, just doing my thing, and then, like, I'll down some 115-proof bourbon. Yeah, but what about a barrel-proof rye? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew that was coming. I just had I had to ask. That one pushes me over the edge. Let me rare breed rye. You're sitting right there. But I just it's whew. earmuffs. Yeah. Earmuffs rare breed rye. Where would you put the earmuffs? It's like those memes where it's just like wearing, How would it wear pants? How would it wear pants? <laughs> Are you ready for like a total one eighty? Hit me, Perry. Big a big hard handbrake turn. This one's a rum finish. Alright. Tale of two islands finish. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention to you, all of these are at least 18-year-old whiskeys. Jeez! <laughs> all right, Barrel, calm it down. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Goodness gracious. Uh-huh. This is the easy, no-holds-barred winner right here. Oh, the nose. Oh, the nose. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm going to be in different moods for the apricot versus this. But if I'm purely just like, what is the better whiskey? This, It's this one. It's that, yeah. Yeah. It's the last one. Question. Do they ship these in cases or just individual bottles? Individual bottles. Sit down. It's... Here's, here's the thing, though. They're like $110 a bottle. I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> Save it for the last call, okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- th- this is this is a stellar whiskey. It is, man. That that is just impressive. I honestly, I hoped that this came out this year. It's gonna be hard not to put this ranked pretty high it's a big contender for my top 10 mm-hmm. that's it i mean it, what what else have we had this year that we've been this over the moon about i mean i really liked elijah craig batch one the barrel proof or uh, oh yeah 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 the that barrel, one was really good yeah um but i mean no nah, this is this is it <laughs> this is one of the best things i've had this year for sure <sighs> i just really hope it came out this year that's yeah. it. That, that that's the only caveat. See, this this is what I wish they would have done with the Dickel uh, bottle and bond. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Oh, it's so different. It's original, and that's why we placed it on top." Okay, cool, but is it really that good? Yeah. No, it's not. But if this is original and really good. This is original <laughs> and really good. This is no longer just a weird caveat that puts it in first yeah, place. Yeah. This is like, just it's it's hitting all the marks, man. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to have to try to 
put it in a part of the studio that I forget about. You're going to have to put that away until you're doing your, like, recollection of 2020. Absolutely. I mean, same thing with the A120 and even the B520. Mm-hmm. They're both great. Yeah, they, they great. and and I'm gonna really have to deliberate between the two. Then that's the Elijah Craig barrel proofs, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the, not that the Larceny barrel proofs were bad, but I needed. I I've just been more inclined to like the the two Elijah Craig releases that we've had come out so far. That's anyway, definitely fair. So I think that does it for that that section of the of the show. You ready for? Uh, tips and or bits yeah where we recommend some things to to people could i actually go first on this one yeah absolutely so last week i kind of like half recommended paper mario the origami king on the switch has that changed yes let's hear about it okay so i i finished the game Mm -hmm. um it's it really took me about a week to like just get from beginning to end just to finish and i'm going back and trying to 100 percent it and everything but like i I beat the final boss but i think it was about wednesday or thursday night no maybe it was earlier than that might have been it, it yeah i can't i can't remember for sure it doesn't matter um there is a a story beat mm-hmm that completely turned me around. And and it went from me being like just unsure about the game mm-hmm. to being like I want to replay this. <laughs> All right, Nintendo, take my money. Yeah. Um I will say I still don't like the combat system. I I think it's really convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's by n- not by any means a perfect game. But no. it, it's it's got some really great storytelling behind it, um, and it, it's it's definitely not my favorite game that I've played this year. No, and that that's fine. But also the combat mechanics and like just holding Nintendo's system in general, you got to take two things into consideration. Nintendo's never that's never been their strong suit. I mean, look at the N64 controller. They've got three things to hold on to. Oh, I hate have, that controller. You only have two hands. Yeah. And, like, you look at the GameCube controller, and you're like, there are so many buttons, when, and there's an extra joystick just hanging out. When I was eight playing on the Nintendo 64, and my hands weren't big enough to, to reach in to get to that middle Joy-Con, mm-hmm. that was the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. But, and, and I, when, when I say combat mechanics, I mean, like, the end game like how you actually gotcha fight enemies yeah like the 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 method through which you battle just not your thing it's not it's not good i don't think i don't think it's good that's fair period and, and and i think that i can in some ways appreciate it's not a spoiler or anything i can appreciate the the puzzle aspect of it mm-hmm. i guess but i just like I remember the first couple Paper Mario games where the enemies are lined up for you and you just jump on everybody and that was it. And like part of me it it is probably a nostalgia thing where I'm like I wish that it's true. It, this is how it it was and I even remember I can't remember which 
Paper Mario game it was. It might have been Thousand Year Door. But there was no combat system. There was no battle system. It mm-hmm. was just standard Mario. You jump on an enemy and they're dead. Right? But that Thousand Year Door didn't need a combat system to it. It was already a really dense game. It all already had so many layers to it. And it was just spectacular. I, When I think back, and it's something that I totally forgot about until I started playing Origami King... Thousand Year Door is one of the best video games I've ever played. It's fair. It's up there. I was it, a big Mario Sunshine fan, if we're talking Nintendo. Yeah. Well, I, I exclusively really play Nintendo. I'm, I'm just not a... Um, other... Yes, I would like to, you know, <laughs> be able to play PlayStation Spider-Man and Yeah, but like Nintendo like that, but... is your kind of gaming. It's yeah, like it a pick-up, put-down style gaming, not yeah, like... Yeah. The kind I do where I go home and it's like, well, my next six hours are taken every single night. Yeah, see, I I don't like online multiplayer combat games Mm -hmm. or or things like like it's just not it's just not me. Um, So in, in that regard, yeah, I am more geared towards Nintendo games. But that being said, Thousand Year Door is... Like it's when close I, to perfection. It it is one of those games where like I don't even know what I would put over it in terms of perfection, but I mean maybe Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask is an unbelievable game. I, I still hold that, that game very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm trying to think. There's not been a whole lot that I've really gotten into over the past week, though. We've been, we had a baby shower on Saturday as well. So the entire week has kind of been us prepping for that and, you know, getting, getting mentally (laughs) there. So I haven't really had a whole lot of time to indulge in new things. I do. Okay. Hold on. I'm sorry. I've only heard two songs but I really want to get into Taylor Swift's new album. It's surprisingly good. The two songs that I've heard, I really liked. Yeah. I, she's changed sonically, and I enjoy it. But she's she's done that multiple times with her music. No, she's, she's done great with that, yeah. uh, changing it up. Like, there's a lot of artists, too, that, like, Coldplay is one of the biggest ones for me, man. It's just, like, they have changed so much over the years, Ooh, and it's yeah, well, not yeah. been great. Baroon uh, 5, we've talked that one to death, man changed sonically and it's not been great have we talked about that on the podcast not on the podcast personally we have yeah you and you and i one-on-one have yeah but like i i still hold maroon 5's first album it's in high regard as one of my favorites of all time i mean hands down i i love that i still think it has a high re-listenability to yeah, it. But it went from Maroon 5, a solid band, yeah, to Adam Levine makes pop music. Yeah. Like I it, I totally agree with that. And I I mean like if you're looking at the band itself, I think the only other core member who's still there is James Valentine, who is the original lead guitar player. Mm-hmm. So it it's yeah, it's definitely not the same band, but when you look at somebody like Coldplay who still has the same four core members. Yeah, but 
you can admit from their first album to now. I mean, look, your favorite song, what, Shiver? Oh my gosh, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to like now, you're like, oh, wow. It's, I can't, I just can't listen to them anymore. No. And I, and I, there's a part of me where like I feel bad about it too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, and, and the perfect example for this is, Sirius XM had for like a week a Coldplay channel. Yeah. Now, 10 years ago, I would have been all over it because that was at like the height of their artistry when they were really putting out music that I felt like was accessible to everybody. It had, you know, great lyrics, it had fantastic musicianship. And then things just didn't really plateau from there. I'm okay with an artist plateauing. I Honestly. am too. I feel like they did that with Viva La Vida. Well, yeah. And whatever the next album was afterwards. My Lozotto after yeah. was just not it. Yeah, but but like, My Lozotto was good. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't as good as Viva La Vida. Or, that's, not the, that's not the actual name of the album, is it? No. They did, I think it was like Prospects March or something that's like the, that. Oh, no, that's an EP. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. The yeah. album that Viva La Vida was on. I know. I, I apologize for people. I know that there's somebody who's screaming at us. But um, yeah, I, I if if an artist kind of like hits their high mark and then just kind of stays there, that's that's okay. And I think mm-hmm. that's you know kind of a, a, a like well yeah statement. But it 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 is hard to find an artist that just stays consistently good and i think that it's a it's a consistent thing with most musicians they want to try different things i get it i'm in that same boat yeah you know like i i want to i want to experiment with beats and stuff like lo-fi hip hop mm-hmm. like that's just kind of where my mind is is focused on right now and and see what i can do with that or lo-fi r&b whatever it is i want to see what i can do with that it's also pushing myself artistically musically Mm -hmm. whatnot aside from just writing you know singer songwriters stuff and and you know a song that could have a guitar solo in it i want to try to see what i can do sonically in a different space so I understand when other artists are doing that, but at the same time, if you want to explore, make sure it's as high of a quality as you are capable of putting out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Taylor Swift, to bring it back to to Folklore, her new album, like, she's kind of peaked and valleyed. She multiple has. times this is definitely a peak though for her in my opinion from what i've heard i will agree yeah i will totally agree and to keep on the music train my tips and bits this week are actually just a couple of artists i've been listening to uh j cole just put out two new songs did he really mm-hmm. i didn't know that phenomenal nice he he got into like that storytelling mode instead of mm. just so much like i'm gonna make a radio hit or i'm gonna nice. make something that's a little more mainstream that's a little more relatable he just went into his absolutely like i'm gonna tell you my perspective of the world right now great anderson pack's new song is like that yeah i can't remember what it's called um 
And then another artist that I've talked about multiple times, Glass Animals, is releasing a new album. Are they, really? Early August. They've already put out two new songs. It is nice. Good. It's very, very nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, that man is just so multifaceted in what (laughs) music he puts out. Like, he literally took the approach in an interview with his first album. He's like... Yeah, I don't really want the lyrics to make sense. I just I make the entire song mix mastered, and then I just fill in with just absolute nonsense. And guess what? It sounds cool. <laughs> it doesn't good. make it's any sense, but it sounds cool. And I'm just like, I can't I can't be mad at that. Yeah. I respect it. Like he knows exactly what he's putting out. Sure, of so course he does. I I just enjoy the crap out of both of them. It was kind of a rambling tips and bits, but. It is. It was Still. long tips and bits, but hey, man, it's it's good. <laughs> we have a podcast. We're allowed to talk about whatever we feel like. I guess. No, we're not. Let's talk about Scotch. No. I'm <laughs> By the way, happy National Scotch Day to everybody. Yes. That's what's uh, going on today. You know what else is going on today? I forgot to talk about this at the top of the show. And also, this is a very post what we've been drinking <clears throat> recently. Uh, as of recording, today is uh, Mama and Papa Ritter's. Uh, anniversary not myself and lucy my parents um and so i i brought over a bottle of blanton's that had been dumped on their anniversary a couple years ago and for the past few years it's kind of been our tradition to drink some of that on their on their anniversary and we actually finished it off tonight so i you know happy anniversary to mom and papa ritter Dad also says hi. It's fine. Hey, Dad. <laughs> well, guys, I think that does it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And once again, thank you to Trip for sitting down with me for a little bit and getting to talk about Barrel Spirits. I, th- I've enjoyed this episode. This has been a fun one. It's been just kind of a loose one, man. It's been a little bit more, yeah, kind of free form. It's yeah. like jazz. You're just jazz. listening, waiting. It, it's about the words you don't say. Not the ones that you do. There you go. It's a weird analogy. Anyway, uh, Swan, where can people find you on social media? I'm uh, on Instagram and Facebook at My Bourbon Finder. And I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. You can follow the show itself at My Bourbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a five star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app. That is a absolutely spectacular way. Uh, for people to find the show if they are new listeners uh, and we will pop up in their search feed if they just search for bourbon on uh, on their podcast app uh, here in the iTunes app. That, yeah. And if you do leave a review, we will actually read it out on air. There's no new reviews this week, but if you'd like to get one in before next week, we record every Monday. So we're going to do that before Monday of next week. Feel free to, and we'll read it out here on the show. You can leave us a voicemail for our barrel ring segment, which we don't do every week, but uh, it's always fun when we get to. Uh, that number is 859-428-8253. And uh, leave us a little voicemail. And uh, you know what? We'll, we'll ask a question for folks for next week if you feel like responding. If not, totally understandable. But uh, what, what if, uh, if you have had barrel spirits? What's been one of your, your favorite releases? You know, they've had so many different batches of their bourbon and uh, a few different batches of their rye, and of course the dovetail. So I'd love to hear what what people think about that and uh, why they think that as well. You can also drop us a line at thismybourbonshop at gmail dot com. 
and uh, we'll respond to your question on air if that's what you would like for us to do. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. Uh, and there should be a sale going up there fairly soon, whether it's a you know birthday sale for me or even a baby sale. We could be doing that soon. I would also like to get, I know we've been talking about this forever, but it would be really nice to get some different merch up, some hats, maybe a mask. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Topical. Yeah, absolutely. And then last but not least, you become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. For as little as $5 a month, you get not only bonus episodes that come out every month. I know I'm a little bit behind. I'm sorry. I'm trying to catch up on it. The, the new bonus episode for this month will come out this week. I apologize. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you also get the pregame chats, uh, which start uh, every Tuesday before the episodes drop on Wednesday. And now the last call for the episode where we kind of wrap things up. And uh, that drops on the Thursday after after our, our main episodes. So, yeah. It's fun times over there. Uh, Swan, should we thank a patron while we're here? You want me to, you want me to pull up yeah, our patrons? pull up some patrons. Let's Who pull up some patrons. Well, Swan, why don't we this week thank uh, one of the hosts of the Hop Ons podcast. Nice. Who is also a, uh, a supporter of the show. Uh, Colin Cox, who is a dear friend of ours. He's been on the show a couple of times. Good old Colin. And Colin and his wife, uh, as of when this episode comes out, probably have just had a baby. All right. I talked with Colin last week, and he was like, I was, you know, we were catching up and everything. He was like, how you been? And I was like, well, we're just in the middle of baby prep. And he had his phone like this, you know, and he goes, oh, us too. And showed his wife. And she is basically at that point within seven days of giving birth. And that was on Friday night, I believe. So Nice. <laughs> so, Colin, buddy, thank you so much for being a supporter of the show. Uh, we really do appreciate all of our patrons. Uh, we'll shout out somebody else next week. Of course. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening as you do every week. Please continue to uh, share it around, you know, tell your friends about the show, share some episodes, get some more people into the fam, all that good stuff. We got the uh, last call coming out tomorrow, of course, on Patreon. But uh, until then, and until next week's episode, I'm Perry. I'm Swan. And this is my bourbon podcast. Mm -hmm.